morning. Can you all stand with me as we read the word of God? Turn with me to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Verses 25 and 26. Mark chapter 5. Verses 25 and 26. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. And the Bible reads, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Bow your heads with me as we consider the subject, Are you ready for the first day of school? Are you ready for the first day of school? Father in heaven, We thank you for your sanctuary and for your word. We ask that you be with us as you promised you would be. You said if there are two or three, you would be right there in the middle because it's all about you. We ask that you open our hearts and that you open our ears. Do it in a new way and in a way that only you can do. In your son's name we do pray. Amen. You can be seated. I've been in many types of schools, been in private schools, public schools, charter schools. When those weren't good enough, they even put me in a detention school. I attended many different colleges and universities. I lost count. Community college, state college, online college, distance, learning college, and even a Christian college. I've been in many different types of classes, mainstream classes, regent classes, advanced placement classes, and hear me, even special education classes. That's to say I've been to a lot of schools. If I had time to talk about it this morning, I would tell you that no matter what school I went to and no matter if I had a grade or no grade, I could have been successful in any of them. I never had a brain problem. I had a home problem. I had been held down and held back and pushed under But it was those underpaid and underappreciated teachers that helped me. It was the teachers, the paraprofessionals, the teachers' aides, the student teachers, and even the lunch ladies was patient with the person that stands before you today. I've been to many different types of schools. I would go the entire summer anticipating going school shopping. Not the first day of school, but school shopping. But I had a problem. I always had a habit of wearing my school clothes before the first day of school, end up fading my jeans, scuffing my new sneakers, and getting lint on my shirts. But I always had at least one outfit ready for that first morning. And in New York, school started the Wednesday after Labor Day, so the night before, my mother would always ask me, are you ready for the first day of school? And I always say, I'm as ready as I'm going to be. No day sticks out in my mind better than the first day of kindergarten. Pre-K at Head Start, that that, that was easy. That wasn't really a challenge. The day came when I would be able to go to big boys' school. I had my clothes ironed, my cartoon book bag, my school supplies, and my lunchbox. I had my hair cut with my long curly hair that went down to my neck. I wanted to be like the lead singer of Cool in the Gang. That that, that was before y'all time. We had $5 budgets, but we had a million-dollar dreams. We were poor, but I didn't know we were poor. My clothes were from Kmart, but they were clean. 
My clothes were washed at the corner laundromat, but they were ironed. I only had one pair of good shoes, but I knew how to tie them. It's okay to have million-dollar dreams with a five-dollar budget. I remember my first day of school. Before school even started, my mother taught me how to read, how to write, and how to do arithmetic. She worked at a daycare, but she knew she taught me how to multiply when the other kids only knew how to add. When I was in kindergarten, I was counting paper dollars when everybody else was counting coins. I came to learn that whether you have a PhD or a GED, you can sew into your children before the first day of school. Whether it's hooked on phonics, Veggie Tales, or YouTube videos, the teacher does not have to be the primary source of knowledge for your child. My mother, she didn't have lesson plans or homeschool curriculum, but she taught me how to pray, and the primary reading textbook was the Bible. I would get on my knees at the edge of my bed. We didn't have a headboard and a bed frame. We just had a mattress on the floor. We had two mattresses, and I would get at the edge of the bed, and I would pray, and I would say my prayers. Every night, I would read Genesis chapter 1 and Psalm 27 because I knew the next morning I would have to recite them before I would have to sing the next Luther Vandross song. <laughs> Even though she would say, I'm grown and do as I say and not as I do, she did the best she could with what she had. And I remember her asking me, are you ready for your first day of school? I, I woke up that morning, I had my supplies, I had my plastic book bag, and I had my lunch pail. And inside the lunch pail, I had a thermos that I would come to hate, especially if I didn't wash it out at the end of the day. In my lunchbox, I, I hated this thing. She would put egg salad on the cheap Wonder Bread, but it was wrapped in love. Someday she would put salami and fried bologna at the bottom of an old greasy bag. It wasn't a lot but it was more than the other kids had. There, there was nothing like my first day of school. In our story this morning, there is an unnamed woman, a certain woman, an anonymous woman. She doesn't attend the schools that you and I attend. She attends the schools of hard knocks. She doesn't have a lunch pail, a book bag, or new clothes, but she has a story about her first day of school. Verse 25 of Mark chapter 5 says, there is a certain woman, and she's had a flow of blood for 12 years. She's, she is knocked around and pushed around and pressed around and banged around by a groundhog day that she cannot escape. And every morning she wakes up. She doesn't think about the possibilities and the probabilities and God's mercies. She thinks about blood. The only problem is her first day of school is every day for 12 years. Before she goes to school, she goes on her Facebook page and she updates her status and she says, I feel like I'm losing control of myself. I sincerely apologize if I sound like I'm complaining, but life keeps on complicating and I'm debating whether or not to take my own life. I'm grieving and I'm trying to hide it, but I can't. Why do I act like I'm high and mighty when inside I'm dying? I realize that I need help. I can't do it by myself. She tweets, but nothing changes. She blogs, but nothing changes. She writes poetry about blood, but nothing changes. She watches reality shows of the other people that are worse off than her, but nothing changes. She watches Oprah trying to believe in herself, but nothing changes. She watches Dr. Oz trying to get home remedies about her condition, but nothing changes. She fasts and she prays and she wakes up at 4 o'clock in the morning 
to buy those prayer cloths and to buy those bottles of holy water, but nothing changes. At the end of her day, she can't testify like Ice Cube today was a good day. She is living in the first day of school, but nothing changes. She has no name tag. She has no nameplate. She has no name, but, but she's trapped in a nightmare where she's learning about pain and she's learning about suffering every moment of every day. She's been bleeding for 4,383 days. She's been bleeding for 105,192 hours. She's been bleeding for 6,311,520 minutes. She's been bleeding for 378,691,200 seconds. The only thing stable and consistent and predictable in her life is her bleeding. I can hear the good church people telling her, if you only had more faith, this wouldn't be happening to you. I can hear her sister saying that you cannot question God. I could hear her cousin telling her that God will turn it around after a while. I can hear people telling her all of these nice platitudes and catchy phrases. But every day she wakes up to her first day of school and she's still bleeding. She tries the church, but she keeps on bleeding. She tries worship, but she keeps on bleeding. She tries medicine, but she keeps on bleeding. And she comes to the place where she realizes that something is seriously wrong, that it's not normal to bleed every day, every hour, every moment, and every second for 12 years. The fact of the matter is, is that everyone here under the sound of my voice is just like this woman. It's not y'all good people, it's, it's just me. I do good things, but I still bleed. I eat healthy things, but I still bleed. I dress up my wounds with bandages and, and gauzes but I still bleed. Everywhere I walk, blood follows me. I try to dress it up with a good three-piece suit, but I still bleed. Until I get to the place where I say, Lord, I am bleeding and my life is a mess. I'm not ready for my first day of school. When I was young, younger, I used to play video games on Friday nights. All night, Friday night. I like the NBA live basketball games. I would wake up sleepy every Sabbath morning. I would fall asleep in the bathtub, Russian. My, my foster mother would leave me and sometimes I would have to walk to church and I would get to church groggy and I would fall asleep on the back pew. Now mind you, this cycle would happen every week for years. We never should have got those soft pews. It went on for years until I met a girl. I used to think that the Sabbath didn't begin until sunrise on Saturday morning. That Friday night, I would be playing the video games with my brother, and I would bet money that I did not have on a game that I usually couldn't win. We would start the game. We would have to turn the volume all the way down, and I would be playing NBA Live with my older brother. I would structure the plays. I'd pass the ball to the right people. I would be making two-pointers when my brother would be making three-pointers. At the end of the first quarter, I'd be down by five points. At the end of halftime, I'd be down by 15. Now, mind you, during this period, I'm praying now, asking God to help me. 
At the end of the third quarter, I'd be down by 25. When the fourth quarter would start, I would score a few buckets. But by the middle of the fourth quarter, I'd be down by about 40 points. I would get so upset. I would pause the game, acting like I was going to do a timeout. Then I would press cancel and forfeit the entire game. Then I would say double or nothing. Same thing. After the first quarter, down by five points. Halftime, down by 20. And in the middle of the fourth quarter of most games, it would be the middle of the night. I wouldn't pause the game. I would hit the PlayStation where you couldn't help but reset the, you couldn't help but reset the game. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where I've wanted to just hit the reset button. There are times when things were just out of control and I felt like I was living in the same day over and over and over again. I, sometimes I wish life had a reset button or an easy button that they sell at Staples. I wanted to run and get under the covers because my life was a mess. I would cry out to God in anguish, asking him, when will the bleeding stop? I tried parties and I tried girls and I tried drinking, but the bleeding never stopped. I was going along fine, but I could not hit that reset button. She sends God's text messages, but there's no answer. She tries to send him a message on Twitter, but there is no answer. She tries to call him up and tell him exactly what she wants, but no answer. She goes to the temple, but they turn her away. And after a while, verse 26 comes into focus, where it says she suffers many things from many physicians, and she spends everything that she has, but was no better, but is growing worse. She goes to the doctors, but they tell her because she's a woman with a pre-existing condition, they cannot deny her medical treatment, but she's going to have a very high deductible. Her HMO drops her after the first claim, so she tries to pay out of pocket. She writes letters to Blue Cross, and she makes YouTube videos for Kaiser. She sends Facebook messages to Humana, but no response. And she comes to spend all of her money on out-of-pocket expenses. Her diagnosis does not change. Her prognosis goes from worse to worse and to worse. And somewhere around the 379th million second, she says to herself that my life is unmanageable and I am powerless to stop the bleeding. You see, this is the place where we get in touch with our essential limitations. This is the place of our first day of school. This is what they call spiritual kindergarten. What is the limit that I can go where I can handle bleeding? How much can I endure until I realize that I need help? The first day, I ignore it. The second day, I deal with it. The fourth day, I make excuses for it. The fifth day, I deny it. What is my limit? By day 5,000, I cry out in anguish. I begin to feel my throat tightening. I feel something squeezing around my neck. I begin to sense that something is out of control. I try to cry, but there's no tears. I want to scream, but there's no sound. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm bleeding and I cannot stop. I am powerless and my life is unmanageable. That is the first lesson of the spiritual life. 
that on your own, things will not get better. Things will always get worse. You can try to do whatever you want until you come to the realization that you are limited and everything you do will be out of control. That you are powerless over your bleeding and it cannot be managed by internal medicine. It cannot be managed by external medicine. It cannot be managed by alternative medicine, by Eastern medicine, by holistic medicine. Until you get to the place where you can cry out to God, oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of bleeding? Paul says this body of death. Then you are not ready for your first day of school. Have you ever been rushing in the morning? Forget your keys, forget your wallet, and forget your briefcase. You get in the car and hopefully you don't drive off before you remember what you forgot. Not only, <laughs> not y'all, it's other people you know. You run back into the house looking for what you forgot, but, but you walk in the room and you forget what you forgot in the first place. Then all of a sudden, the ticks on the clock get louder and louder. And then the people in the house, they try to help you with what you lost. But you snap at them and yell at them and get angry with them and borderline curse them out. Because they're not helping you. And every second you stay is another second you're late. You just get to the place where you just want to pull your hair out. Maybe it's just me. And then all of a sudden, you see your wallet, your keys, and your badge right in front of you on your desk. Then you feel sheepish picking everything up and apologizing to everybody. That does not mean you aren't saved. It means you're human. Getting to that place is the beginning of spiritual kindergarten. That's your first day of school. When you get in touch with the frustration of being human, there are some people, they come to me and say, Pastor, preacher, chaplain, can you pray for me? Pray for peace because I cannot sleep. Pray for discernment because I am confused. They're having those days where they're snapping at everybody because they was up all night watching those late night shows and reruns of Law and Order Special Victims Unit. And they do not want the sun to rise because they know when the light comes up, real life is coming. They're stuck in a never-ending cycle of groundhog days, and they don't realize that they're bleeding. They don't need Ambien or Propofol. They need something else. I pray for their request. But you better believe something. When I'm in private praying for them, I do not pray for peace and rest. I pray for God to control things in their life and to bring utter chaos to their life. I pray, I pray to God that he makes them so restless, so confused, so frustrated. Whether high cannot help them. The buzz cannot take the edge off. The sex cannot bring any type of satisfaction. I want them to spend everything that they have. All of the post-dated checks of empty promises. All of the credit card statements of resolutions. I want them to be poor in spirit. I want them to be ready for the first day of school. Every moment she bleeds, she is conscious of her shame. Naturally, she attempts to find a cure, 
But the longer she bleeds, the more frustrated she gets. And she comes to realize that bleeding is not her problem. The fountains from which she is bleeding, that is her problem. The bleeding was a symptom of a faulty source. The source of life, the source of potential that was inside of her was faulty. And we finally can say amen to the scholar who says the earth has an immune deficiency syndrome and human beings are merely symptoms of its disease. I try to do better. I try to be better. I want to do better, but I'm contagious and my fountain is corrupt. And I see that my wickedness is great and every thought of my mind is evil all the time. Then I am ready for my first day of school. I know and feel that my righteousness is as filthy rags. Then I'm ready for my first day of school. I understand when I'm in the presence of God that I am undone and I dwell on the people of unclean lips. And I realize that there is nobody righteous. And the only thing I can do successfully apart from God is sin. Then I'm ready for my first day of school. My friend. They had a problem with their car, and they took it for a smog test. They're new to California. They, they took it for a smog test because they wanted to drive it. They wanted to get it fixed. They took it into the smog station. They connected it to whatever machine. I don't understand it, but they connected it to the machine, and it gave them a printout of everything that was wrong with the car and what needed to be fixed. The only problem was... They couldn't fix it. And my friend looked at them confused. And they said, the sign says smog station. What's the problem? And the mechanic says, we are only a test station. We can only tell you what the problem is, but we cannot fix it. The Bible says in Romans 3.20 that nobody has ever been made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Hear me. That's just the first day of school. Paul says in Galatians 3, 23 and 24, but before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which afterwards would be revealed. The law was our schoolmaster that would bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. You see, the doctors, they could only tell her what was wrong, but they could not fix the problem they could diagnose her, but they could not treat her. They could maybe help her quality of life with constant blood transfusions. They could show her diagrams of all of the internal bleeding and the damages done. They could have referred her to a hematologist or a gynecologist or an immunologist or a pathologist or a toxicologist. Then they would have finally referred her to an epidemiologist. But all of the tests would come back inconclusive. All of the conversations would end with, there's nothing more we can do. The doctors wanted to poke her. The nurses wanted to prod her. And the scientists wanted to study her. She didn't need another specialist. What she needs is a hydrologist. You're wondering, preacher, what, what's a hydrologist? Hear, hear me. She is bleeding but her problem isn't blood. The problem is where she's bleeding from. Her fountain is faulty, so she doesn't need more blood. What she needs is another fountain. 
She needs a fountain that's filled with blood. It's not human blood, but it's drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And when she plunges in that fountain, she'll lose all of her guilty stain. She doesn't need blood. What she needs is another fountain. She needs, hear me, a fountain of blood and a fountain of power. She needs a fountain of blood to replace her fountain and a fountain of power to keep it going. But to get a new fountain, a hydrologist has to stop her bleeding, take out her fountain, and give her a new one. You see, in, Romans, in Roman times, fountains were operated by gravity, requiring a source of water that was higher than the source of the fountain. Because the, the source of the water had to come from a higher place because gravity would make it come down. The greater the elevation of the source of water, the greater the water would go up when it would spur through the fountain. So the water had to come from a higher place. In the cities, when they would build fountains, they would have to use pipes and aqueducts to keep the water flowing. And as science began to progress, they would put reservoirs and pumps so the fountain would have a greater power source. With the woman at the well, Jesus flipped the script from blood to water. And he says in John 4, 13 and 14, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water that I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give them will become a, a spring of water or a well of water or a fountain of water welling up to eternal life. What she needs is another fountain. So the question is, are you ready for your first day of school? You said, preacher, I've been bleeding and faking it for some time. I just cannot stop myself. I'm trying to live this saved life and people think I'm super saved, but I keep on bleeding. I'm saved, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, but I still have lustful thoughts. I go to church and I pay my tithe, but I still want to have that bottle. Are you ready for your first day of school? I need a new fountain. And I need a fountain of blood. I need a fountain of power. I need a fountain with a source that is higher than my bleeding. I need a fountain that is outside of me. I need a fountain that is higher than me. I need blood that will never lose its power. I need this blood to give me strength from day to day to day. I need that blood. What about you? I'm ready for my first day of school. Bow your heads with me. Father in heaven, there are people here under the sound of my voice. God, they're trying to do the right thing. In this body, we have problems. And we're frustrated. We read our Bibles and we go to church and we sing the praise songs. But we still have this fountain of blood. And God, we just keep on bleeding and bleeding and bleeding. But there's somebody here under the sound of my voice. You said, preacher, I'm tired of bleeding. And if that's you, I just want you to do what the woman who had the issue of blood is. Just reach forth your right hand. And reach out and touch Jesus. And he will go to the source of your bleeding. And he won't just point out the problem. 
he'll show you that he has already provided a solution your problem is not your behavior your problem is there's rot in your nature God we're ready for our first day of school so we come to the table where we acknowledge that we're broken we acknowledge that we're sinful and we acknowledge that we need a savior if that's you just respond by saying amen god bless you god bless you